Good afternoon. Welcome to the Long Live Third Parties podcast. Free Press, Media Press, Inc., a third party's books publisher, sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. That, folks, okay. let's get started. Today we have a guest, Philip Fuhr from the Independence Alliance Party, and he kindly provided me with a short bio that I'm going to read to you so we can get started. Has more than 25 25 years experience with the Minnesota third party politics, providing him with unparalleled knowledge of the state's independent and alternative party politics. He has been a member of the Independence Alliance Party since 1995, where he has served in the fourth congressional district chair, constitutional bylaws committee, state director, and since 2015 chair. Bill is a three time candidate, having run for the state representative. In 1996, and St. Paul City Council in 1999, and has worked in top-level positions for Secretary of State and U.S. Senate campaigns, as well as being an advisor to numerous other candidacies ranging from local to statewide offices. So, welcome, Phil. Andrew, thanks for the intro. Appreciate it. Thank you for the uh, the invite and the opportunity to talk to your listeners. We're glad to have you. So. If you can expound upon the introduction I read by giving a brief background of yourself. Sure, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the the party's uh, genesis as well, if, if that's okay. Sure, uh, of again, course. Yeah, my name is Phil Fuhr, state chair for the Independence Alliance Party of Minnesota. Uh, the Independence Party came into creation in 1992 due to the, uh, the influence of presidential candidate Ross Perot. And then in 1994, one of our founders, Dean Barkley, ran for U.S. Senate, getting 5.4% uh, of the vote, which gave uh, the independence parties, we were called at that time, major party status. So in uh, March of 95, uh, I attended an organizing meeting at the state capitol in St. Paul. Uh, and the next month was seated as the uh, state platform chair. Uh, at our state convention. And I had always considered myself to be uh, a supporter of independent politics, third party politics, ever since the uh, the 1980 US presidential race with John Anderson when I was 12 years old. Uh, and I think in many ways, uh, Perot's, Ross Perot's race uh, 12 years later was a direct offshoot of Anderson's earlier run. Uh, and at the time I saw Dean Barkley's run and major party status as a moment for me to become uh, just a voter to becoming actively involved in politics to try to make a positive difference. And I think while it's common for folks to come and go uh, over time uh, or, or get involved and pull back as, as time or frustrations allow, I stuck with the party uh, and have largely remained active uh, since 1995 uh, and have moved up and I've been serving as state chair since November 2015 uh, with my uh, state director, uh, Ben Tomey, and I and will be seeking one more at our next state convention here in August. That sounds good. We have people out there who are members of third party. So I want to ask you for those who may in the Independence Alliance Party or some other third party may want to be a state chair. What does that position entail? Well, you know, state chair is typically the spokesperson for the, the outward facing spokesperson for the party. Uh, candidate recruitment is certainly a piece on, on, of that as well as fundraising. 
uh, and, and it's really the the main manager, the CEO, so to speak. Uh, you know, if, it, if you were to look at it as a business, it would be the chief executive officer, uh, the CEO of the party, and everything that that might entail. So, uh, managing other officers, managing a, a board of directors, which is typically called a, a state executive committee, uh, and then just leading leading the visioning and moving uh, a party forward. Interesting. So, Kai, what the Independence Alliance Party stands for in its platform? Yeah, you know, over the years, we've sought out broader affiliations when appropriate. We began as as a state only party, the uh, the Independence Party. We joined with the Reform Party um, in from 1996 to 2000. Um, when that ceased to uh, be of a benefit, uh, the Reform Party nationally was starting to go in a far different direction than we wanted to. Um, we went back to being the Independence Party. And then since May of 2019, we've al aligned ourselves with the uh, the new uh, Alliance Party nationally. Uh, but our values and principles uh, throughout that entire time have remained the same. And one of our main mantras is fiscal responsibility and social inclusiveness. The idea uh, that we need to be wise stewards of the people's monies while also recognizing that we live in a pluralistic, diverse society, which is a strength and, and a good thing. Uh, our state platform itself has about 60 planks covering uh, 11 topic areas um, so that we can provide enough range and depth of issues to create an identity uh, of who we are and what the party stands for, while still leaving room for candidates to represent themselves and their constituency uh, at the local level. Um, one thing I, we use that I like to call bounded is bounded flexibility. Uh, and when that comes to the platform, what we ask for from candidates is an 80% agreement without litmus testing any issues. Um, the, frankly, the two legacy parties can claim to be big tent. That's a, a phrase that you often hear is they're big tent parties. Um, but they, they litmus test or, or the litmus tests that they use really prove that they aren't. And uh, generally, as an example, you're a Democrat and you're pro-life you can basically forget about running as a Democrat. Uh, or, or conversely, uh, similarly, if you're a Republican and you favor gun control measures, you're basically out of luck. Uh, those are litmus tests that um, the two legacy parties tend to have uh, and do have, uh, not just on those issues, but on others as well. That if you're not in lockstep with them, uh, you know they may forgive you on an issue here or there, but they've got litmus tests that you have to be for something or against something or you're not a true Democrat, or you're not a true Republican. We don't do that. And our bound, our bounded flexibility is meant to highlight another philosophy of ours, which is one that says that we need to be able to talk to each other, and we need to be able to learn from each other as Minnesotans uh, here in Minnesota or as Americans. And it's from those dialogues that, that we need to understand that we don't have to agree on every issue and that our, we may change our opinions over time. And that's fine as well, we grow. We grow as we gain wisdom, as we gain knowledge, uh, and that's okay. And that's another philosophy that uh, the Independence Alliance Party and the Alliance Party nationally has. Um, that in that diverse society that we live in, it's not gonna be one way or the other. We've gotta be able to talk it out. Uh, and, and we're not always gonna agree on things, so we have to also agree to disagree. Um, but we do, as I said, use that bounded flexibility to create 
uh, some sense of coherence while allowing plenty of room for folks to disagree. That sounds good. Since your party achieved one of the biggest alternative party victories, what do you think made that happen? What do you think your party did right to make that amazing, unseen, unpredicted victory happen? Well, we shocked the world in 1998. And for uh, many of your listeners, they probably know what you're talking of. But uh, you are, I believe, talking about Jesse Ventura, uh, who won the Minnesota governorship uh, in the 1998 election. Uh, and this was a convergence of, of a few things. Uh, I, I think that there are windows of opportunity that open at somewhat cyclical levels or cyclical times. Uh, 12 years is a common cycle that seems to open up um, the, those windows of opportunity. And I think 1998 was the tail end of one of those windows. And it really started in this, in the, in this case with Ross Perot in 1992 uh, and, and ran from about 92 through, through maybe 2000. Uh, was that particular window of opportunity. So I think the window that 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 alternative party, third party window of opportunity opened up just there. Um, it certainly did not hurt that Jesse Ventura was a, a known actor. He was in a Predator. He was in uh, one of the Batman movies. Uh, he was a, a wrestler and he was probably more, more known for being a, a wrestler. A professional wrestler, but he was also locally here a talk show uh, radio jock, uh, sort of a shock jock on, on, on talk radio. Uh, so he was a, a radio personality, had a ton of name recognition. Uh, and that is something that so many alternative candidates lack uh, and, and need to spend so many resources and so much money to get their name recognition out there so people know who they are. He came out of the gates with people knowing who Jesse Ventura was at that time. So that was that was a, a great benefit to him. His celebrity status allowed him to raise additional funds and just enough. He raised about a million dollars for that particular race, uh, one with 37% of the vote in a, in a tight three-way race. I think it was 37, 34, 28, or, or something like that. And he was able to raise just enough money to, to get him over the top. Um, one other factor, though, that's not as well known, uh, particularly outside of Minnesota, is that he was mayor of a city called Anoka, which is one of uh, one of the larger cities here in the Twin Cities. So he, in addition to being a celebrity, came into the race with uh, some political experience under his belt. He was he was the sitting mayor uh, of, of Anoka. Uh, for myself, that particular year, I saw everyone gravitating over to the the the, the Jesse Ventura campaign. Uh, to volunteer. They were, the slogan was retaliate in 98. Uh, and I saw everybody going over there and leaving our other candidates sort of somewhat high and dry. So I myself helped out our secretary of state candidate, ended up being his treasurer and uh, chief political strategist. And uh, we did, we did fairly well. He broke 10%, which was, uh, or typically is a pretty solid showing for an alternative or third party candidate. And, and he did it on a $20,000 budget. Thanks for sharing that. That is very helpful to understand the history of these things and also how we can leverage certain situations to our benefit. Since you've had a lot of experience in politics, in alternative party politics particularly, kindly share some tips you have for alternative party candidates. We have a lot of 
alternative party candidates who may tune into this show. So that would be very helpful to them. Yeah, you know, when I meet with candidates, one of the first things that we go over uh, is to have them self-reflect as to why. Why are you running? And a candidate needs to know why you are running. And, and, and at, at surface level, that may sound like a stupid question, but it truly isn't. It, it, there are several reasons to run. And at the end of the day, uh, victory can come in, in many different forms. There's more than one way to, to quote unquote win. Um, so you've got to ask yourself, are you looking to run for office because you want to win and your definition of win is taking, you're raising your right hand and taking the oath of office in January after the election? Uh, or are you running more on uh, an, an ideological uh, philosophy? You want to move something forward. You want to move an idea forward. You want to uh, establish the party uh, in some way. You know, different states have different laws. And, and for example, here in Minnesota, you break 1% of the vote in a statewide race, you create a, a what's called a minor party. If you break 5%, you become a major party. So is that your goal? And is that your quote unquote win? Um, and, you, and you need to ask yourself and answer that. Uh, and that's where you can then start to move forward with other pieces of the campaign because you're going to, if the oath of office is your goal, you're going to have to do different things and more things uh, and have more people and have more money than you're going to probably need if you're simply moving an issue forward uh, and whatever, whatever issue that might be. Um, but at the end of the day, you want to start early. Um, you really, you don't want to look at uh, when filing, typically when filing opens and, and decide you want to run a day or two before that. You want, to, you want to be well in advance of the election, of filing, uh, and, and pulling your team together. And that's probably the other big piece I would say is you have to have a team. If you are making a serious, solid run for office, you cannot do it by yourself. The only time that that might remotely be possible would be a, a small race, uh, something like a city council race for a, a township or something like that, where there may only be three or four or 500 voters in the town, in which case you could do it yourself. But if it's anything bigger than that, state representative, state senate, a statewide race, uh, U.S. Congress or something like that, you have to have a team behind you. You have to start planning early. And, and that's one of the first things if you're looking for a solid, serious race is put that team together even before you really start announcing that you're running and raising money. Get the people behind you to help you. What, and, what, what, well, let, me, let me just say one more thing. Some of the, sometimes you get a, a critique that comes back is, is I don't know anybody that knows politics. Look, if, if it's, a, if it's a, a race you're getting involved in, just find the folks that will, will be there to run that race with you. You don't have to be experts. You can all learn along the way. And you're, you're probably going to make some pitfalls, but it's more important to have those people set up and helping you than it is to find the quote-unquote correct people that have the top-level experience um, because you're probably not going to find a, a lot of those folks. Just find some folks that are willing to learn along the way. So where do you recommend people finding their team from? You know, typically you want somebody that you trust. I mean, this is your campaign. So if you're putting a campaign together, you're going to have your strategies and, you know, behind the scenes conversations, your kitchen cabinet, 
you're going to want to have folks that you trust. So I would usually start with, with friends, co-workers, acquaintances, uh, you know, your college roommates, uh, you know, folks, folks that you know and trust. That would be the first level that I would start at. The next level would be if you are affiliated with an alternative party, check with uh, the congressional district chair or your, your legislative district chair or the state chair, whoever it is that might be uh, available to talk from the party to see if there might be uh, some folks available that might step in and help you out as well um, to augment, augment the team that you put together. But the team, the team that a candidate puts together usually does largely consist of friends, family, and, and trusted individuals. Sounds good. So what book and or podcast recommendations do you have for our audience? You know, I'll give you one of each. Uh, for a book, I would, uh, and I think for your audience, um, it's a book that came out in March of 2020 from uh, University of Kansas Press. It is a 12-chapter 12 12 chapter book on alternative parties. Uh, I think it's got four or five chapters on national parties, and then the other seven or eight uh, chapters are state, uh, concentrate on state parties. And it's called Beyond Donkeys and Elephants, Minor Political Parties in Contemporary American Politics. So again, that's Beyond Donkeys and Elephants, Minor Political Parties in Contemporary American Politics. Recent book, as I said, came out right before the pandemic hit us last year, came out, uh, I think, mid-March or late March of 2020. Um, the podcast I would recommend, the one that I listen to, political podcast, I, I'm, uh, other than this one, uh, the one that I most listen to is the Alliance Party After Dark. And that's our, our national party's podcast. Um, good with uh, interviews, uh, discussion on topics of the day, candidates come on and talk, uh, issue discussions. It's a weekly podcast that comes out and has had folks on such as Ralph Nader, uh, author Emily Conrad, um, and I can't, I'm drawing a blank as to, to her book, be another book that I would recommend um, from Emily Conrad uh, and, and others. And you can find them at uh, theallianceparty.podbean.com. Okay, that sounds good. That, that book I haven't heard of before, that Beyond Dockies and Elephants, and it sounds great because it's very new. It new, new, and uh, it, it's a lot of academics wrote it. So it, it has sort of that academic feel to it. Okay. Sounds good. So kindly let us know whether people live in Minnesota or outside of Minnesota, how they can support the independence Alliance party. Yeah. The, the national party is located at, on the web at the Alliance party.com. So you could uh, take, take a look at them. Here in Minnesota, um, if you uh, wanted to check out uh, our state party, uh, run as a candidate, be happy to talk to you. And actually, we're looking for candidates for 2022. Um, so if you're looking to run, be happy to have you contact us. Um, you can check out our website at mnip.org. That stands for you know, the abbreviation for Minnesota, mnip.org. Uh, or send us an email at info at mnip.org. Excellent, excellent. 
Phil, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today and sharing your background and experience with our audience. Andrew, again, thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to uh, talk with your listeners. And, and thank you to Free Press Media Pressing. Have yourself a wonderful day and all the best to you in your political endeavors. You too. Thank you much. Good. Keep up the good work. Bye now.